Hello and welcome back to another episode of Stories brought to you by Kiosk M1C. Kiosk M1C is the voice of Lower Stable Street and has curated all shops, events and exhibitions on Lower Stable Street since Cold Drop Shard first opened back in 2018. Their mission has been to support new businesses and provide an environment in which they can thrive and grow. I'm Maria Hanlon and in each episode I'll be finding out the real stories of how these businesses have developed and how the community has helped shape their journey. In episode 7, I chat to Teresa, who is the founder and creative director of Revive. Revive's aim is to elevate vintage and pre-loved garments through embroidery. In this episode, Teresa and I discuss why she thinks fast fashion is so damaging and unsustainable, advice she'd give to someone who's trying to move away from fast fashion, and of course, all things business, as we talk about Revive, and what services they offer, and what projects Teresa has been busy working on. I can't believe we're at episode 7 already. And I have to warn you, after hearing this episode, you are going to want to get just about every item of clothing you have embroidered. Trust me. Here we go. Episode seven with Teresa from Revive. Could you start by introducing yourself and telling me your role at Revive? So my name is Teresa Carmona. I'm the founder of Revive and designer. Um, So yeah, that's pretty much about me. I'm from Chile, live in London. Amazing. So on your website, you describe Revive as a tattoo shop for your clothes, which I absolutely love. So for people who don't know, what is Revive? So Revive is a platform that I created to give people I guess, the tools to have a more circular wardrobe. So we offer micro collections that I put out about three to four times a year. And they're all one-off pieces. We don't make anything new. Everything is either pre-loved or vintage. And we bring it back to life adding hand embroidery. But we also offer the revival service, which is you know, this is what I describe as like the tattoo shop for your clothes, where people can actually send in their own garments. And it could be purely for aesthetic reasons, or it could be to mend and repair. And you send it to us, we embroider it with whatever you like, and then we send it back. Uh, And we also host workshops. So we do a little bit of everything. Amazing. And we're going to touch upon your workshops in just a sec, because I know you had your first one just down at Kiosk not long ago. But before we do that, so could we start at the very beginning then? So how did the Revive journey begin? How did it first form and bring us up to date as in today? Of course. Yeah. So I kind of had the idea for Revive at the end of 2019. I had just finished working for the COP25, so for the UN. um, And I'd In the past, I studied fashion styling, and I guess during that time, I kind of realized how horrible the fashion industry is, so I kind of fell a little bit out of love with it, and then I went on and I studied um, environment and development, and I very much kind of dove deep into the world of sustainability and sustainable development, Um, and it was at this time when I had finished working for the COP that I found myself looking to take my next step. And I decided to take that plunge and start my own brand. And I kind of brought these two worlds together that I loved and kind of made a pact with myself to say, if I'm going to start my own clothing brand, I want it to be truly sustainable and circular. And for me, that was Revive, right? That was not making anything new, using what's already available to us um, because we do have enough clothes to dress the next six generations. So let's use that and add some creativity to it. And uh, it kind of went on from there, obviously, you know, end of 2019, beginning of 2020, maybe not the best time to start a business, but 
surprisingly did end up being a good time. I was able to, you know, learn how to make my own website and take my time, do my research. Um, and that's kind of how Revive evolved. And, and here we are today. I love that. And so you touched on there. So you had experience in the fashion industry. So obviously everyone knows nowadays that fast fashion is obviously not great. So why do, what, are you, what are the main reasons that you think that fast fashion is so sort of damaging and unsustainable? Yeah, so I think we have, you know, you can kind of separate it into a few areas. Um, you know, I think obviously we have the very obvious reasons, which is the environmental impact, right? So we know that we have the next six generations worth of clothing that are a lot of them are sitting in landfill are clothes the way we make them today they're made with mixed fibers so they're almost close to impossible to biodegrade and recycle so that becomes a massive issue um, but also you know we have the welfare and the social aspect as well you know um brands big corporate brands are not taking responsibility for the welfare of the people that make their clothes um, people aren't being paid fair wages over covid we saw that a lot of factories you know they weren't being paid at all um, because they, there is no legally binding law that says that these brands need to take responsibility for the you know subcontracted factories that they work with um, so there's a massive issue there. But I also think one of the most damaging aspects of the fashion industry, particularly the fast fashion industry, is the psychological aspect, you know, and I think it's something we don't really talk too much about. But there is a level of manipulation that these brands have on people um, where, you know, they they force people to keep shopping, continuously shopping. They're constantly telling us that we're not, you know, we don't look good enough and that our style needs to look a certain way and that we need to fit into certain boxes. And it's this manipulation that causes us to keep, you know, over-consuming clothes and thus leading to this environmental impact of over-consumption and then over-waste. Yeah, and I think it's also like the pressure to always have something new, exactly. especially like when you're going on a night out or for example, because me, because I DJ, I do feel the pressure sometimes to be like, oh, I want a really cool new outfit and it's mm -hmm. so bad. And then you keep on buying and you get sort of addicted to it, Exactly, which is really obviously unhealthy. Um, so what advice would you give to someone who's trying to kind of move away from fast fashion and change the way that they consume clothing? Yeah, don't, um, I guess my advice would be to not overwhelm yourself, you know, like I put my hands up and say like I remember being at uni or at school and being one of those people that was like shopping almost every weekend going to fast fashion and I was one of those people and like don't overwhelm yourself I think it's we're, we're all there because our society made us shop and consume fashion in that way but start one step at a time so if that means that you take it upon yourself to like revive your clothes or repair um, or do swaps you know or like go and link in charity shops and see what you find there um, you know just there's so many different avenues that we can take today to start redefining the way we consume fashion um, don't overwhelm yourself with them start with one avenue first and like explore that and then you know see how that feels and see what fits right for you you might love rental you might love repairs there's so many today um, so try one see how that feels and then get going from there Definitely. And I think with stuff like charity shops or secondhand shops, the excitement is that someone else isn't going to have that same outfit as you. Because, you know, if you're going somewhere like H&M, buying a jumper, you might turn up at work and someone has the same jumper. Totally. And that's always a bit embarrassing. And you're like, oh, no. But it's kind of 
yeah, exciting, I guess, to find something that's really unique and that's had a life before you. You don't know who wore that in the past or where that came from or when it was made. And there's all that sort of element to it as well, isn't there? Exactly. I love that about it. And I think that's what I always say with Revive is that because you are adding such a unique element to your item of clothing, you will end up with something, even if it's just like a tiny little butterfly that you revive, like embroidered on, it's going to be 100% unique and yours. And it's going to highlight your personality and it becomes a talking point. You know, there's not much to say about a Zara jacket, but you can talk for ages about this little butterfly that you added to your jumper because it reminded you of a trip that you took or, you know, and it becomes so much more exciting. It's so true. So the million dollar question, I guess, what drew you to embroidery in the first place? Um, so I grew up in a household where my mom's an artist. So I definitely grew up in a creative household. And I remember um, doing a bit of sewing and painting and embroidery. But to be honest, I didn't pick it back up again until the end of 2019. Um, I just kind of I don't even know why I just was drawn to it, I think, um, as an art form. And so I picked it back up again. And one of the first pieces that I did was a vintage workwear jacket. I embroidered the pocket and I added some flowers to it. And suddenly I just fell in love with this garment all over again. And it felt a lot more exciting. And I thought like the adrenaline that I got was even more so when I bought the item in the first place. Um, and I think this kind of was like the catalyst to starting Revive and, and doing and the power of embroidery. Um, and I just kind of love it as a way to, I've described it before, like tattoos for your clothing, right? Like our clothes are very much kind of second skin. So being able to embroider unique items and, and things on it is, uh, I think, really beautiful. Have you done that to so many of your clothes now? You're like, so that one? Oh, many. that one needs to do. I can add something more. I would say there's actually like a larger pile of to-do on my desk rather than the ones I've actually done for myself, um, you know, because it is like very much a one-woman show, although I do have different artists that will come and, and kind of help me out every now and then. Um, but I'm always working on customer orders rather than my own. So there's a massive pile of my own stuff waiting to just one day be revived. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. So on your website, you say that you offer three things, the three pillars, as you call it, collection, service and workshops. Could you talk me through each of those? Yeah, of course. So collections, I would say, are kind of the more bespoke items that we have. Um, so they're the ones that we put out maybe three to four times a year. The collections will vary between anywhere from 20 to 30 pieces or less. It just really depends. Um, and I'll, you know, they're all kind of curated items that I've chosen and they come from anywhere and everywhere. So I've literally ended up in estate sales or antique fairs or charity shops. And then I bring those items back to life, adding hand embroidery. Uh, so that's the collections. And then we have the revival service, which is where people can send in their own items and have them revived. Um, so as I said, this could be for aesthetic reasons or it could be to actually repair the garment. Um, and then we have the workshops, which I'll host every now and then. And they're really fun. They're just a great way for people to learn these basic tools to kind of do either visible mending or embroidery. And it's kind of to give the customer that power back and make them realize that it's actually so much easier than you think to bring your items back to life and make them last longer. 
And just touching on your pop-up, because you had your first one, right, just at Kiosk very recently. How did that go? Yeah, it was my first one here. Um, so that was really exciting. It was my first pop-up that I've ever done where it's just Revive on its own in a shop. Um, it was super exciting. I love it around here. It's such a fun area, really lively. It was over Easter weekend and we had great weather. So I think everybody was in just the best of moods. Um, and it was really great. I, you know, I consider myself quite a extroverted or you know um social person and I love being able to talk about the brand and I think I you know that's how you can get through to most people um and it's telling them the story and and the importance of why we need to redefine the way we consume clothes um so yeah it was fantastic we had a workshop people were dropping their items off you know there was this lady who was actually wearing on the day a jumper with moth holes and she actually just took it off and left it with me and was like please repair this oh, wow. picked it up later in the day done little like flowers to cover the moth holes so it was just really great to see people you know getting the hang of it and 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 wanting to do more with Revive. Because it's fun, isn't it, as well? But it's also meaningful because it's good for the environment and they can sort of hear about your brand and all the work that you do. And also we were speaking just before we started recording because embroidery seems quite like, I'd think, oh, I couldn't do that. But as you get going, you said it's not quite as hard as it looks or it's not as overwhelming once you get started. Yeah, it's not as overwhelming. And I think it's really therapeutic. I mean, over COVID, I think embroidery like saved me (laughs) Um, because I honestly was doing it all the time it's just really calming really soothing it's something you can do with a podcast in the background or just watching a tv show Um, and it's working with your hands and you get to start and then from start to finish you get to see this beautiful thing that you've created so it suddenly just means so much more to you because it's time that you've put into this piece Um, And it's definitely easier than you think. Everybody gets a bit overwhelmed because when you see more intricate pieces, it looks really difficult. But needle to thread and then you just start the basic points. It's super easy. I definitely recommend my workshops. (laughs) Come and join. (laughs) I'm definitely going to come. And also I love that it's just another thing that's like not on our phone or a screen. It's like, as you said, therapeutic. And Mm -hmm. it's sort of that time by yourself to get creative and just sort of think about, let go of the day and just get stuck in. I love that. Exactly. So talk me through what a typical day is like at Revive. What goes on behind the scenes day to day? That's a tricky one because I don't think there is a regular every day. Um, I think every day is really different um, and it really depends on the time of year and everything. But I'm usually quite relaxed. I have my dog, so we go for a walk every morning and I kind of work on my to-do lists as I'm walking around the park. Um, But I have currently a lot of custom orders, so for the revival service. So I think that's been taking up most of my time at the moment. I'm working on a really large scale piece. It's an entire dress that I've been ordered to kind of embroider the whole skirt of it. So that's taken a few months, um, which I think is also important to say, right? Like I think people need to realize that it is slow fashion. We need to slow down. People so quickly want things the next day. And I think the beauty of this is recognizing that it does take time and effort and hours of work Uh, and this is one that's definitely taking many hours Uh, (laughs) so that's been a lot but I'm also just behind the scenes preparing for the summer so I have a few pop-ups coming up one in June and one in July so working on that making a few pieces for um, the collection that we'll have at the um, at both pop-ups So it's been a lot of creative time recently a lot of creating designing and embroidery. 
And just using that example of the skirt, what happens? Like, how does the process work? So will someone give you a rough idea of what they want or will they be very specific or will you work with them and come up with something? How does it usually work in that sort of way? Yeah, so I, there's a reason why I describe it like a tattoo shop for your clothes because I think I was very much inspired by the process of getting a tattoo um, with how this the revival service could work. So the way it works, the people will contact me and let me know what it is that they want embroidered or revived. Uh, in this case, it was a dress. And then we had a little consultation chat. So the initial chat that we have with the customer where we ask them to... <laughs> Sorry, my dog's lying down asking for cuddles. <laughs> um, and we ask them to kind of give us like a little draft of what it is they want. So either if it's a color scheme or illustration... Um, and then I'll walk away after the consultation and I'll draft up maybe two design ideas, send them back to the customer and they can either choose option A, B or like elements from A and then elements from B, get the final design and then uh, start working on it once it's been approved by the customer. So it really is like a tattoo then? It really is, oh, yeah. <laughs> I love that. So what would you say is one of the most rewarding parts of your job? I think it's when people kind of have that light bulb moment and they realize that we can consume fashion in a different way you know it's so refreshing I think it will it's so easy when you are in this bubble of like the sustainable fashion industry you almost like assume everybody's thinking this way and the reality is that we're not and you can't fault people for that like we live in a society where we consume fashion in a really fast and unfriendly way and so when people when you see people when you're talking to them and you really see like the clogs in their brain turning and you realize they're having this realization of oh my gosh we really need to change the way we're doing things and it is possible because the tools are out there with revive being one of them that moment when people say I love this and I I this is how I'm going to consume fashion from now on or when I've revived something and you give it back and you see them fall in love with this piece all over again that's the most rewarding when you see people like realizing that we can do things in a different way yeah that's a lovely answer and I feel like revive is a good like starting point as well because they can you know embroider something that they already own and then as they're doing it sort of learn more because I know on your website you've got lots of stuff about what you do and it's quite um educational on there too so it's good to know that they can sort of start with arrive and then take their journey into For sustainability sure. kind of as far as they want so on the other hand what would you say is the most challenging part of your job yeah um I think similar to my previous answer in a funny way um because you know, it's easy to preach to the converted, you know, people that are already following me on Instagram or on my socials, they're easy to convert in that sense, right? People are, if they're there, it's because they already believe in sustainability and that we need to do things in a different way. Um, but I guess the flip side to that is that one of the most challenging parts is actually getting to the people who don't even realize that we need to change. So like, I don't know, the influencers out there that are doing like the sheen hauls or like people who are going every weekend to shop at Primark and, you know, people who are still consuming in that way. Those are the hard people to reach because they're in a completely different mindset and having, you know, like a open conversation with people. And the last thing you want to do is make people feel like you're blaming them or that you're putting them down because that's not what you want. It's not their fault. But you want to be able to convert them in a way that's, you know, not making them feel awful about the way that 
we're stuck in a way that is flawed. Yeah, and I think it comes back to people feeling like they need things so quick, like ASOS next day delivery or going yeah. into like a H&M and getting it there and then checking out, it's done. Like, I think it's kind of this conveyor belt of like, we need things quickly, yeah. but we actually don't. Like, and it's more kind of, well, definitely more sustainable, but it's more exciting, like we said earlier, to have something that you can keep and rewear and remake and embroider and restyle. That's, I think that's where it's at. Exactly. So reflecting back, what would you say is the biggest lesson that you've learned since starting Revive? I think, you know, recognizing that it is a slow business model. Um, I think you automatically, when you're starting off, you want to be a people pleaser. And I think I, by nature, am a people pleaser. So it was, you know, right away, I want to say yes to everything. I want to take on all these custom orders and I want to kind of you know, have a finger in every bucket kind of thing. But it's, you know, learning to say no and learning to understand that it is a slow process and putting a cap on how many custom orders I can take every month, realizing that I work in a slow way and that's what I'm selling. So, you know, kind of switching my mindset to the idea that we are in, a, it is a slow business model and that people aren't going to get things right away and it's going to take a few weeks depending on the scale of the item and, and the project. Um, so yeah, I guess like slowing myself down to fit the business model of Revive as well. Yeah. And I guess because you're so passionate about it, you don't want it to become something that's like so overwhelming and you're just stressed and working so, so much and not enjoying it because exactly. it is such a like meaningful thing to do. So what are your future plans for Revive then? Do you have like an end goal or is your plan just to keep doing what you're doing or what's on the horizon in that sense? So I have a few things coming up and there are a few little changes. Um, so I'm actually starting a part-time job with a think tank that is related to sustainable fashion. Um, I can't say too much because I'm actually starting on Monday. So after Monday, I can <laughs> say more. Um, but then I'm going to, what's really nice about that, that it gives me the flexibility to continue doing Revive. Um, and with Revive, you know, I never wanted it to become this huge, you know, it, it's never the idea to grow into this massive corporate brand, right? Like I like it being small. I like it being one of the many tools because there are so many other slow fashion brands offering you know, services and all in a different way. Um, so I like being one of the many tools that people can use. So my hopes are to continue doing what I'm doing, continue putting out micro capsule collections that are all made, you know, with intention and mindfully. And then also working, either doing collaborations like I've done in the past um, and helping people revive their clothes through the service, working with different artists and continue doing workshops continue doing what you're doing yeah I love to hear it so this is a question that we ask everyone on the podcast what is the one book or it could be a film or an exhibition or a documentary or something creative that someone wanting to get into sort of sustainable fashion should consume well okay so I would say as a great source um to get into sustainable fashion and kind of see the reality of that world um some amazing advocates for that I would say are fashion revolution so Ursula de Castro who's the founder of fashion revolution um she basically started this amazing foundation where they just really go on about the reality and the truth of the fashion industry and kind of dig into the dark underbelly of the industry and why you know we need to change so their website is just a great place to start. Um, they've 
funded different documentaries and she's written an amazing book herself as well. So I think as a source to kind of get you started on why we need sustainable fashion and why we need to change the way we consume fashion, that's a great stepping stone to get you started. So finally, where is the one place in King's Cross that everyone should check out and why? Where do you love most around here? Ooh, well, we're at Cold Drops Yard and I love Cold Drops Yard. Um, I've done, you know, I used to do the drops here. I've done Lower Stable Street Market and I now have done the kiosk. So I feel like I've ticked all the boxes there and I've loved it. The people here are super nice and friendly. Um, but also just go get lost around the canals, Little Venice. It's really beautiful. Um, so if you want a nice day out, come get lunch here at Cold Drops Yard and then walk around the canals. Super nice. And this <laughs> is the time to come here because it's summer and the sun beautiful. is shining and it's so nice down here. So definitely come check it out. Thank you so much, Teresa. Thank you for, for having me. Thank you.